And then, like I said, I guess with the two of us, we'll see if we can do this in an hour. We'll struggle to go 25 minutes. Yeah, watch. We'll just get... <laughs> That'll be it. You'll be the one person that doesn't want to talk more or really prolong this thing, and we'll be done in a half an hour. I'll be like, hey, I'm doing this for Jason. <laughs> <laughs> get him a short one. Would he even see the movie? I don't doubt he's heard of it. <laughs> so we'll make this episode his ideal length, and he will never touch it because he's not seen the movie. I'll bully him into it. I'll be like, if you don't do this, I'll tell your ex-girlfriend you're building concentration camps or your current girlfriend. <laughs> Sorry, that's a whole back in joke thing I got going on. I'm cooking on the side. It take it take it wouldn't take long to explain, but I don't know how clear it gets. The more I put this whole out of context cold open in there, so now we'll ha- he'll have to listen because he's directly addressed in the cold open. <laughs> if his if his company would just stop building. Concentration camps for non-vaxxers, <laughs> this wouldn't be an issue. That's all I'm saying. Welcome to another episode of Bright Guy and his Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is Googly Eye Connoisseur, Ian Leidick. Everybody get loud, pop those shots, turn down for what? <laughs> He's excited. He's excited. Uh, you know, I think I mentioned in the past how you're probably the only one that hasn't gotten some quality time with the Bright Guy, so I, I can understand why you're excited. I also think I know, and the audience knows, that you are terrified that I'm just going <laughs> to segue this into a completely different direction that you not only aren't prepped for, you have no idea what's going on. And it, you picked possibly the, one of the worst movies to do it with because I very easily could segue this into how it relates to the greater Monster Masoom universe. I, I am on the edge of my seat and I will be for this entire recording. So we'll see how we do. <laughs> if we if you ever get invited back to more quality time with the Bry Guy. So yeah, the original plan was to uh, try to talk about the Fantastic Beasts and the Secrets of Dumbledore movie this week, uh, but we're still waiting for a few more people to see the movie before we cover it here. So that's kind of where we're at. But I, you know, over the weekend, I ended up going to see Fantastic Beasts, and then I also saw Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is a movie I know Ian was looking forward to. And after I saw it, I basically told him, this is a movie that is completely in your warehouse and you need to go see this immediately. And then sure enough, two days later, he's like, I saw it and we should probably talk about it. So we kind of decided that it's just so wonderfully weird that we're going to talk about it on the show. So we got the two of us together to do this. So here we are. And we actually haven't talked about it actually together probably since we saw the movie. We Yeah, we've yet to discuss it at all. You, you, we, you, I texted you, I saw it, you're like, oh, I really want to talk to you about it, but I feel like we should save it for the show, which we were planning on recording on a Saturday. I was like, you just want to bang it out tonight? Yeah, that's just pretty much how it was. I don't think do I can it. wait till the end of the week to try to, like, not... I was <laughs> even trying to tell you, like, say that I saw it and tell you that it was a movie for you. I didn't want to really even tell you anything about it, because I didn't want to spoil anything. That's the thing. There's so much in this, too, that, like... It's hard to spoil in a sense, but like it's also a spoiler because those moments hit so much more when you don't know. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, all right, so let's try to get into a little bit. So we'll go over the cast directors, ratings, box office, that kind of stuff, and then a little bit of general thoughts. So the movie is directed by Dan Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, Scheinert which I think, yeah, in the, in the movies, it's just credited as Daniels. So it's the two Dans together. They actually go by that, I guess, in Hollywood now. but Just Daniels? Uh, the Daniels, yeah. But okay. Like the, I guess like the Coen brothers. Right. The Scar Scars. Which is kind of funny to me that I was just literally on the way home. I was listening to a podcast about uh, the directors of John Wick, uh, David Leach and Chad Stahelski. The two of them co-wrote or, or co-directed John Wick 1 and could not get co-director credit on the movie. Because they weren't, I don't know, it was a whole thing with the DGA, the Directors Guild, that they wouldn't let them be co-directors, and they had to pick one of them. So Stad Chahelski actually got the director credit. David Leach is just listed as a producer. I mean, it's known that the two of them directed together, but as far as the official like credit on the movie is concerned, the two of them couldn't get it together. And one of the reasons that uh, David Leach had cited was that the DGA lets people kind of direct together if they're siblings. I don't think these two people are siblings, so I'm surprised that they still got, like, the director credit together. I I don't know, just a little sidebar that is kind of interesting to me now. I I do wonder if it's because they're like, we're the Daniels. Yeah, they're not actually using their actual names, and they're just a Mm -hmm. collective group, maybe? I don't know, maybe that's the difference. The collective known as the Daniels. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So they did direct. They also are the only writing credits on the movie as well. So that's cool. Um, Cast includes uh, Michelle Yeoh. Stephanie, is that Hsu or Sue? Yes. Uh, Ki Hoi Kwan. Oh, yeah. You're doing good. Okay. Uh, James Hong, Jamie Lee Curtis. Fuck that one up. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tally Medell, I guess. Medell, Medell. We're close. Uh, Jenny Slate, um, Harry Sherm Jr., Shum Jr., um, and the, the guy with the best name for the credit, Biff Whiff. Biff Whiff! <laughs> I, I love that name. <laughs> um, so that's the, the main build cast, anyway. Uh, ratings for the movie right now. According to Rotten Tomatoes, it is sitting at 97% uh, for the credits and 92% for the audience, which is pretty damn high. Uh, Metacritic has it rated at 82 uh, for the Metascore and user score 8.0. The Metascore actually has a stamp that is a Metacritic must-see. So it seems to be getting reviewed very, very well. Uh, I tried to look up the budget because it's not on Box Office Mojo. Google tells me the budget for the movie is $25 million. That's the same number I got from an article on The Ringer. Okay. Um, As of right now, Box Office Mojo is listing the domestic total at $17.7 million. Uh, international is another 370,000. So it hasn't done too much internationally. I don't know if it's how well it's released over there yet. If it hit a lot of theaters, I'm not quite sure. I do know for it's, um, for early small release for A24 when it was only on a handful of screens, it was apparently the biggest A24 opening in that limited setting ever. Cause I think, yeah, I did hear that it was a limited release and then was expanding to more release. I don't know if it, did it get a wide release yet? I don't know if I know if I think we're technically in the, the wide releases. Okay. Like, so hopefully like, it's available in more theaters right now. And honestly, it's since it's a lower, I guess, popular movie, 
Like, it's not something that's, I feel like, been promoted very well. Like, you, you might say the title to people, and they still don't know what the hell this movie is. Well, the title is um, also kind of confusing. Yeah, that too. Um, but if you are at all curious about this movie, and you're listening to this shortly after this episode is released, definitely go try to catch it now, because in the next couple of weeks, once May rolls around and all those big blockbusters start hitting, it's there's a very good chance it's not going to be in theaters very long. So if you are curious about everything everywhere all at once, or, you know, start listening to how much we kind of love this movie, uh, definitely get out there and see it. Cause I don't know how long it'll be there. And we don't like we were talking before the show. We don't know where it's going to end up streaming wise after this. So if we knew where it was going to end up, I could tell you to hold out for a streaming service. But as of right now, we don't know where it's going. So if you can see it in the theater, check it out in the theater. And I know, again, since some of you probably don't know what the hell this movie is or what we're talking about, um, I guess, Ian, for people that have no idea what this is, how, how how do you talk about this movie without spoiling it? Is there a way to sell this without really giving away too much? It's the day in the life of a older Asian immigrant who runs their own laundromat, and they're just trying to file their taxes. <laughs> that is, a, yep, that's a good setup, yeah. Yeah, if you want a little more expansion on that, it's about the interconnectivity of family and daily life and how how hard it is to connect through your father, your older generations, the younger generations, when you're caught in the middle of trying to do everything all at once. Oh, see? You even got the t- most of the title of the movie in there, too. That's pretty Hell good. Yeah, yeah I, I was thinking more, like, if I'm trying to sell it in, like, a one-sentence thing, it's it's kind of like a... Story about a woman just trying to keep her family together through some very tough times. Yeah, and then if you want to like throw in another thing to be like, well, that's something. Then you throw in like, it's kind of like um, what the fuck's that movie? Oh shit! Now I'm blanking. <laughs> fuck. Not you're put on the spot. No, stop! Cut this! Cut! <laughs> cut! <laughs> Kung Fu Hustle. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. It's got like Kung Fu Hustle vibes at times. It's not maybe as. Never, it's exactly as zany, but just different. It's not as slapsticky, I think. No, but it is sometimes. It's just sometimes. That's not the but premise. I think like it's I think Kung the, Fu Hustle it's not the is always tone. Yeah, like the the majority of that movie is that tone. Like this yes. jumps around in tone between a lot of different stuff. I will say, like I guess maybe another way to say it too is they just. I feel like the Daniels were like, okay, we did Swiss Army Man. We got $25 million for this. Will we ever get money again? Let's just make 30 movies. <laughs> like, I think that's kind of what happened. It, do, it does hit some... Yeah, it, like, I don't know. The few people I've talked about saying, like, I saw this movie, is, I just keep saying, it's it's a weird fucking movie. Like, it goes some places I would not expect, and it just, like, keeps growing exponentially as you're going through the movie. Like, it just really leans into the weird by the end of it. But like, I kind of love it. <laughs> like I don't know like, how else to describe it. Like I don't know if we need to put this part behind the spoiler warning. You can cut it if we do. But I believe it's the first wide motion picture release to feature Death by Dildo. Could could be, could be. I actually kind of forgot about that part until you just brought it up. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to talk about it later because it's <laughs> fucking glorious. <laughs> um. Go, going into this movie, how much did you know going in? Did you, did you have any idea what you were going to see prior to seeing it? I saw a trailer for it maybe a year or so ago, I feel like. I know at some point I had seen a trailer. It was a while ago. Yeah. Maybe not even that long. It might have been when we saw Ghost in the Shell, honestly, because that feels like the kind of trailer that would have run before uh, yeah, an maybe. anime limited release thing. 
Yeah. And it seemed kind of cool, and I, like, had it in my head that that's something I'd want to check out. And then I forgot about it till like, last week when I heard <laughs> it was, like, out. <laughs> so, because I know it's in the trailer, because the last trailer I saw, I think, had it in there. But the googly eyes and stuff that were everywhere, was that, did that kick you that out of gear? Played, like, I have to... played no role. <laughs> I I keep that in the bedroom. Fair enough. Uh, all right, so I guess again, I don't I don't know what else to bring up. Generally, is there anything else we should bring up? Just general thoughts for um, people that might be curious about it. Also, I guess if you're if you don't know the Daniels, if you do, didn't see this or you didn't see Swiss Army Man, they also directed the Turn Down for What music video. Oh, I did not know that. I did see a lot of music videos on the credits, but I did not yeah. really look that hard to see which. That's ones they the did. one where the power of thrusting and twerking keeps breaking through levels in an apartment building. <laughs> it's a I really completely forgot music about video. that music video. Yeah. So I mean, if it's kind of it's almost the level they bring to this too, that like wacky out there, but like it fits tonally almost. It's it's yeah. weird. Um, Was... I would also say it's kind of. The, the closest we've gotten to a Marvel-appealing art film, I would say. Like, a kind okay. of art yeah. indie art film that I think might apply to, uh, be enjoyed by people that are more into, you know, that are almost strictly Disney moviegoers. <laughs> you know, like, that see them, the major Disney films. Like, I think, like, it reminded me almost not, this was very different. Like, I saw Birdman, when that was came out. During the beginning of the cape shit era. Yeah. And I remember seeing that. I was like, oh, that's a great fucking film. But that's not a film for people that actually really enjoy Marvel movies. You know? <laughs> like, I'm not going to tell someone that, like, has seen the all the Avengers movies four times. You should check out Birdman, you know? Yeah, there's, I like, think... no superheroing in that movie. No, there's not. There's, there's none. <laughs> this is probably the... You're like, okay, so imagine that that Doctor Strange movie, but like, it's really good. And <laughs> he says before seeing the Doctor Strange movie, <laughs> well, it's not out yet. I know, but still, you're just like, I saw the other one. I saw the other one. It's almost and... like you're already saying this next one's going to be shit. So just imagine if it's good. I mean, out of all of the Marvel offerings, I think the strange verse is the, probably the most entertaining because they'll do the most with it. Okay. Because Thor got better once they gave up on making Thor. They're like, <laughs> fuck it, just do whatever you want. But anyways, back to, circle back to my point before I go off on all these Marvel movies before Rewind Theater gets to them. I, I think this is like one of those films that I think even if you're not, you don't have to go in with that art house mindset, you know? Yeah. You know, like one of those types of indie films where you're like, I got to really think and there's levels to it, you know, it's. I don't want to, it's not a shut your brain off because there's a ton happening, but I yeah. think it does a very good job of explaining what's happening. And a lot of people in the movie are just as confused as you are. I, it's funny. Like I, I saw Fantastic Beasts Friday night and then Saturday decided to go see this Fantastic Beasts to me. I still kind of felt like lost. Like I wasn't really sure what was going on. I had a hard time gripping onto characters and, and following the plot and that kind of thing. And I don't feel like there's a lot going on. It's just like, the movie, I think, kind of just starts going and you're just kind of trying to play catch up the whole time. This mm -hmm. movie has so much more going on in it than Fantastic Beasts, and yet I followed it better than Fantastic Beasts did. So I yeah. don't know if that's a, that's a just it might be both. But like how good this movie lets people get into the story and follow the story and maybe just how 
bad Fantastic Beast was with capturing people's attention. I don't know, but Having we can talk about it, that when we get to that movie. But I, I do think part of this is just how compelling the actors are. Oh, yeah. Yes. Like, um, Kei Hoon Guan, he just brought it. Yeah. Like, I don't know if anyone else could have dominated that role so well. I don't know if you know, originally when they were writing the script, it, they had planned on this being Michelle Yeoh and Jackie Chan. Oh, I did not know that. Then they found out how much Jackie Chan cost. And they said, <laughs> is there anyone else? So they saw one of them. I don't remember which one. I think it was Daniel Kwan. He saw a gif of Temple of Doom and was like, did some math and was like, what's that guy up to? And that's <laughs> when they decided to bring him in. That was the thing that I think I might have talked to you about before seeing the movie was that after like seeing the trailer, I could I could picture his face in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why do why does he look so familiar? And it wasn't until Twitter, I think, put uh, his his picture in this movie next to Short Round from Temple of Doom. And I was like, oh, my God, it's the kid from Temple of Doom. And it kind of blew my mind a little bit. And he is fantastic in this movie. I I mean, he gives like a great performance. I hope he gets nominated for something. He I, I'm sure there's some movie editing magic in there, but the way he switches from like this super serious character to like this confused, just like why are we here? Oh, this is. Oh yeah, I'm fine with this. Yeah, Raccoonie, I, I get it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, God, I guess that, yeah, we got to bring that up later. <laughs> I guess my final pitch to people would be: it's a movie about doing your taxes, but what it's really about is finding your family and what your greater connection to everyone else you know is. You know, just yeah, that it has a sense of belonging almost. It has a surprising amount of heart, and that's something I was not expecting, I think, coming into it. Like, all the yeah. weird, flashy stuff is kind of what's in the trailers, but there's a there's a lot going on with this family dynamic in the movie. Oh, and it, that's... it made me think so much. There was, like, different messages coming through at times to me, and, like, I had to, like, normally, especially when it's something like this where I know there's no end credit scene, I just kind of get up and go. Yeah. So this one, I actually sat there for a bit. I was like, the fuck? Like, I had to, like, try and just process. Like, there's nothing, like, super strange or weird happening at the, you know. Like, there's nothing, like, holy shit, they just went up to the 50th multiverse level and bought a crate dragon, you know. Yeah. It's not that. It's just, it. that's probably the end is maybe one of the most grounded parts of the movie. Yeah. And it was just, like, processing, like, whoa, what that message was and trying to interpret the message around everything else too. It's it's a it's kind of a thinker at the end. If you want it to be, you can absolutely yeah. just ignore it, or you can also about halfway through walk out during the first <laughs> ending. <laughs> um, was there a lot of people in your screening? Uh, I went Monday at eight o'clock, and there were, including me, eight people. Okay, what was the demographic like? Was it? Wide I was ranging? the youngest. Okay. And then the next was probably, like, two dudes your age, and then everyone else was at least five, ten years older than you. Okay. I like how I'm the benchmark for all of this. Thanks. But... I said I was the youngest. (laughs) Yeah, I think... It wasn't a packed theater when we went, uh, what, Saturday afternoon at, like, three o'clock or something like that. And uh, I think it was a good range of demographic. I think, like, younger kids, older people... There was... Uh, an older lady a couple seats down from us and she was laughing hysterically the whole time. Like it was, it was surprising to me the the different people that 
actually came out to see this movie and went to find it and stuff like that. So that was a little bit surprising to me, but I kind of loved it. Yeah, no, it's definitely like it was when I I brought it up because I keep thinking of Birdman with this for some reason, I think. <laughs> and I just remember in Birdman, like it was like whenever that came out, how much younger I was. But I was like a good 20 years younger than anyone else in that screening that didn't come with me. <laughs> this was not that. But yeah. I also wasn't that young anymore. <laughs> um. Yeah. All right. So I guess uh, moral of the story is if you, again, if you're curious about seeing this, I highly recommend going to check it out. Um, spoiler alert. I think Ian and I really kind of loved it, and we'll get into why in the next section. But from here on out, we will start talking story specifics and spoilers for everything, everywhere, all at once. If you have not seen the movie and do not want spoiled, pause this now. Come back after watching the film. Otherwise, you can listen on and, and you just can't get mad at us for ruining anything for you. So, last warning, spoilers to follow. Spoiler! Spoiler! You know, something like that. Right, so we're into the spoilers. The uh, I, Really, the, the first question I was going to ask you, but I guess we sort of got to it earlier, was has this movie renewed your interest in googly eyes? Not renewed. They used them in a much different way than I ever did. <laughs> they used it for like comedic effect and to like lower the mood. But I, I, I did find it fun. It was wholesome, especially because they just used real googly eyes. It wasn't like CG or something. Yeah, it was like yeah. it was something like tactile about it. Being like, remember those, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah you don't yeah. really see them in the wild that often. True. Yeah. Um. So I guess the, even with the spoiler, like we're in the spoiler territory, so we really cover whatever we want. But I feel like the same question kind of applies is where do we even start to talk about this movie? Well, this even is now that we most, can talk specifics. My most burning question for you is, was the hot dog finger universe the worst? I, I think so. Yeah, I think that now, every like I think I've told you before. I don't know if it's come up on the podcast. I don't like eye stuff. I don't like <laughs> stuff getting in my eye. I don't like other things going to other people's eyes. I don't like that. I think that happened in Hostel. It happened in Saw. I don't I don't like that. I, I think I might like hot dog fingers more, less. <laughs> it really bugged me and creeped me out the whole time. Especially in the first one, like, when it's the people in the TV with the hot dog fingers. And mustard and ketchup is, like, That's, in their yes. mouths and shit. And it's like, <laughs> I'm like, what the hell is what? That's what I was going to bring up. It was, like, fine seeing, okay, you have long hot dog fingers. Fine. If somebody would have tried eating their own fingers, that would have checked me out too. But yeah, the the sticking the hot dogs in someone else's mouth to then get ketchup and mustard to come out of their mouth was like, what is, is this some weird sect act? Sex act it was, it was though, it clearly yeah, was. It was like too much. That was, that was a little bit too much. Like I liked, like before they went like super deep into it, they went back to like the monkeys and I thought it was like a Space Odyssey 2001 type deal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they had like the the hot dog fingered monkey killing the normal fingered monkey. Like I enjoyed that. But the evolutionary start... branch right there. <laughs> but you start shooting fluids out everywhere? I don't know. <laughs> but it was fun for them to eat. Like even in that universe, it's like, okay, fine. You have hot dogs for fingers. And then it, you see that like everybody gets really good with their feet. Like mm -hmm. playing piano with, the, with their feet and... I, I don't know, like, that was like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Like, I, I get that. But, yeah, the whole hot dog finger thing was weird. And then I, I will circle back to that later, but I guess now that we're just in the spoilers for people that haven't seen it, kind of want to just run through the plot real quick. <laughs> in <laughs> case anyone just... actually followed along and wants to keep listening. Yeah, that's you fine. Know, just so I don't throw out, just so they don't just come in and be like, wait, hot dog fingers? <laughs> <laughs> Did they see a movie? Are they high? <laughs> that's, I, I actually was hyping it up to my... I was telling uh, somebody I work with about it, and I was like, yeah, I saw this movie, Everything Everywhere All Want. Oh, I haven't seen the trailer for that. What's that? 
I'm just like, it's really fucking weird. Uh, it's like about like this woman who tries to keep her family together, but has to like, they're threatened by this unseen force. That's like going through the multiverse and she has to channel other personalities. And like one of the universe has, they, people have hot dogs for fingers. And he's like, what the fuck? And I was like, yeah, that's pretty much how it is. And he's like, well, that's fucking weird, but I'm a little bit curious. And now I kind of want to check it out. So it was a selling point. <laughs> yeah. I fucking hated it. <laughs> like, are they cold and like kind of sticky? I, no, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. So, yes, uh, Evelyn Wong, our main character, is a uh, 56 year old. I think I don't know how old she's supposed to be. That's how that's how old Michelle Yeoh is. Okay, we'll go um, with it. She's an older Asian woman with a 20 something daughter who runs a laundromat that they also live in and their taxes are due today and it's also Chinese New Year and it's also her dad's birthday and he's coming in from China because he's sick so he might live with them now I'm not really sure <laughs> and the dad hasn't met her daughter Joy's lesbian girlfriend yet I guess saying girlfriend implies they're lesbians yeah so all of that's happening at once in the very beginning of the movie where there's they're basically stuck in the laundromat at the beginning. Yeah. That's like the big premise of the early movie is like them trying to navigate such a small space they have. And like, that's one of the challenges is her trying to do so many things, her telling her husband about this and that to prepare for the dinner and the party, and then go take care of Jenny slate down there. She needs something. And also where's the laundry? We fix the change machine. I'm trying to do taxes. Do not talk to me. I'm trying to do the taxes. <laughs> Is our daughter here? I guess, yeah. It's about this woman who's literally trying to spread herself so thin, you wouldn't even call it a schmear on a bagel. Like, that's how thin this is, you know? You wouldn't even notice that cream cheese when you take a bite of that bagel. <laughs> it's and then you use the bagel analogy for this. <laughs> I know. It's like I planned for it, huh? <laughs> so then it takes place, we skip ahead to them doing their taxes, but what they're Getting ready to take the elevator up, um, Kei-Huan Kwan's character, Wamin Wang, is possessed by his version from another universe that explains to Evelyn that she might be the savior of all universes and she should follow his instructions if she wants to figure it out or just go in the janitor's closet. So she, of course, does not. <laughs> so she sits down, the taxes are happening, she decides to start following the instructions because she's kind of pissed off and confused because that's another one of the elements is Evelyn is concerned about her English. She doesn't think it's strong enough and she knows there's certain words that confuse her. And then taxes kind of suck. Is it they, also worth pointing out too, that the, the piece of paper she gets the instructions on is divorce papers that he was trying to give her to. It's probably worthwhile another, to bring up. Another is that wrinkle. her husband, her husband tried to serve her papers at the beginning of the day as yeah, well. Yeah. So just <laughs> another thing going on. And we're about 10 minutes into the movie. At this point. <laughs> So just like Neo, she starts following the instructions to hack into the Matrix. And then she ends up in the janitor's closet, like in the Matrix, I guess, talking to an alternative version of her husband who's trying to explain to her what the fuck's going on. And it makes no sense. Yeah. And then he dies. He gets killed by the auditor they're meeting with the IRS, who's played by Jimmy Lee Curtis, but it's an alternate dimension of her that is possessed by... Jobu Tubaki, which is the being of all evil. And then we go back to we're doing taxes. So, <laughs> And Wayman 
does not know that he's confused. been possessed. People not... are already confused. <laughs> so anyways, they start to leave and she thinks she's got a fight. So the auditor comes over to give her something and she just punches him straight up. <laughs> and like knocks Which her down. <laughs> and he's, everyone's like, what the fuck are you doing? And then it just goes from there and builds and builds onto Evelyn learning her powers, viewing herself in different universes, almost dreaming those happen while finding out that she's the worst version of herself. Yeah. I kind of love that explanation that like, yeah, she's the one that has taken every wrong decision or bad decision in this life path. And she's the worst version of what's going on. And not even that. She's also one of the few people that has so many impacting decisions. Yeah. Like that has so many multiversal spreads. Not as like they explain, not that many people where almost every decision fucks you. Yeah. And yet she keeps finding a way. <laughs> and it gets to the point where she ends up being able to connect with Hot Dog Finger Universe. Yeah. And, you know, the universe where she, I guess, basically is Michelle Yeoh and is a like a movie a, star a, with Kung Fu well, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's the one where she's the, the Bocce chef. We'll get to. <laughs> and it just all builds up to you find out that Jobu Tubaki is her daughter, Joy, who created an everything bagel where it's really just everything negative about being alive on it to try yeah. and destroy the multiverse. And that's the central conflict is not going into the everything bagel, which destroys the multiverse of everything and finding out what, why am I here? What are we doing here? Because <laughs> does anything matter if every choice creates a new universe? Is it all just pointless? Like it's pretty ex- existential. Yeah, it it gets it gets almost to that weird. Not clerks kind of did that too. I want to say like that, that self-loathing dread thing. I think Dante has, especially in Clerks One. Yeah, I think it it takes it to another level because they. Try, they show the character that yeah you're meaningless yeah there's and you're the worst version and you live in the worst town I've ever been in <laughs> and it ends basically of her accepting all of that and realizing she just needs to hug it out that's yeah that's a good way to put it that's yeah, the general plot of the film and I skipped like half of it <laughs> yeah there are definitely still some surprises for the second half of the movie there there's, there's some stuff that maybe we'll get into just over the course of our discussion but yeah holy so, shit next I guess I wanted to bring up I didn't know if you had written anything down so like I said at the top one of the central themes of the movie was Evelyn trying to do everything at once yes Did you film the film also tried to do that and was it too much it is, it is, like I said, it is a lot to take in. Like, you're just kind of blasted and overwhelmed with everything that's happening. Because they do hit you rapid fire at the beginning with everything that's going on. And it doesn't really... I, I don't even know if it really slows down for any of the movie. It just kind of keeps going. And by the halfway point, I think, just starts jumping around between... Like, I guess the first third, like, you're not really even jumping between universes. It's not until mm-hmm. about a third of the way into the movie that you start doing that. And then from there everything just started to come compounds from there, like between the different universe jumps and trying to figure out who she has to fight in different versions of herself. And then you got to worry about like all the stuff that joy was doing. And yeah, it's, it's a lot to take in and a lot to follow, but I, I, it's weird for as much as the shit that was going on and as much as happening, I don't know if I was ever really confused. 
No, I, if that I makes think, sense. No, it does. I never was directly confused, maybe. Like, was I confused that there were multiple people trying to shove stuff up their asses? Not really. I got it. That I think that the confusing part for that, for, I don't know if they ever really explained or maybe I missed it, like why they have to do something so weird and and uh, just random to be able to connect to the personality that they need to so, grab. It was real quick. So it's about how the percentage differences between your universe. So like to make the connection, the slingshot, your consciousness to the other one, you have to do something completely out of character for like both versions. Okay. Okay. That was the explanation. It comes, it comes in once and it's mostly used to drift the comedy. So it was funny because I saw the movie with Leslie and when they first get to the tax place and you meet with Jamie Lee Curtis and she shows her two awards. Mm-hmm. Leslie giggles. And I'm yeah, like, well, I mean, they're very you... clearly dildos. Yeah. So I'm like, what are you giggling about? And then like, it comes or, to sorry, play later. Butt plugs. Right. Butt plugs. Yeah. When they get to the point where everyone's trying to sit on one and then she thought that was fucking hysterical, but it was. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was one of the points of the movie. I'm like, Oh my God, they're actually going to go there. Like, I didn't think well, they'd the actually guy just, go like, looks way. And they just starts taking down his pants and everyone <laughs> knows why. And, like even his, <laughs> even her daughter figures it out. It's like, Oh God, he's trying to put that in his butt. <laughs> Yeah, like, it's it's so fucking weird. And, like, that's the thing, is it, it does, like, stuff like that. It references the Matrix. There's literally Looney Tunes sound effects at one point. Oh, there I was I some, that. There was, like, music from an ad that I, like, vaguely remember and I can't place. Huh. Yeah, I just remember, like, hearing it. I'm like, oh, shit, I know that from something. There's all of that going on, and then they do a whole Ratatouille bit. Oh yeah, that was that was such a throwaway thing, and I just thought like that was just her broken English trying to figure out yes. what the movie was or what the title of the movie was. But no, then we actually get the raccoonie or whatever raccoonie, whatever it was. Yeah, no, she's trying to explain to her husband and daughter what's happening about the possession thing, and she's trying to explain it like the movie Ratatouille. Yeah, and she's calling it raccoonie though because it's her, yes. her english isn't great her daughter's <laughs> laughing the whole time because she's talking about raccoonie and her husband's like oh i love ratatouille it's a great movie like he's and at this point their daughter is tied to a chair like taped up to one and she did it to her herself because her daughter's the evil force and now is trying to explain ratatouille and then, and then we like, find out yeah half an hour later <laughs> They set up her being in the bocce restaurant and this, like, really cooler chef, like, doing a thing. And he's got, like, this weird hair thing. You know, maybe, I don't know if you caught it right away that that's something wrong with that. I just thought it was a weird hair thing. No, I missed it. So that when they, you know, when she fucks up, like, because she slams the egg. Yeah, They cut to him, like, he's getting your shifts. And they zoom in on him and you just kind of see, like, some weird hair. I'm like, oh, that's, you know, it's weird, but whatever. And they cut back to it later, and there's a raccoon piloting a man, (laughs) just like in Ratatouille, but it's a raccoon now. (laughs) And the when she finds it, the raccoon says, she's seen too much, and starts trying to kill her while piloting this man. And it's wild! It's that was one of the moments where I'm like, this this movie is so much for Ian. Like I have no idea. Like, he has no idea. Like he just needs to see it because I can't even begin to try to explain what is happening. You just have to see the movie. And like for me too, like the next level is like that's. I don't think that's a CGI raccoon. I think that's a puppet. Oh, it's definitely a puppet. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm gonna talk shit on Marvel again, apparently, <laughs> but it looks so much better than Rocket Raccoon. Oh, it's I don't absurd. know if I'd go that far. It I think looks, it looked good. 
But it, no, it be- also looks horrifying. Like it doesn't look oh, yeah, friendly. Yeah. Like it's got like that kind of like um that what was that that fantabulous Mr. Fox like that weird like oh yeah puppety movie where they kind of look odd. It has that like odd look to it where you know it's a real raccoon, you know it's not CGI, but you almost wish it was because it's weird looking. <laughs> it's not a and that's that's why he tries to kill people though I guess you know the <laughs> raccoon cannot be trusted because it did look kind of janky like you could tell it's right? like a robot puppet inside the like the like, raccoon skin like a little feral almost <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think he's he's got rabies he's gonna come after you or something uh, I was waiting for that to be a plot line because <laughs> that's the thing though when they start exploring her in these other universes her as an actress her as a hibachi chef. Even her is the pizza sign flipper, which apparently is a better life than what she has now. <laughs> is they keep telling you the story of those universes, like the story within those ones that are occurring outside of the main story, which it's wild how clear it is, though, and easy to follow. Especially, yeah. I want to say the actress one, because that reminded me a lot of um that, oh, that famous scene from that old fucking black and white film, the, you know, the... You know, the get get on that plane, never come back. Casablanca. Yeah, like that kind of like that speech her husband in that universe gave. Yeah, like darkened alley was like kind of reminiscent of that. You know, like the get out of here. You know, we, we can't be together. You're just teasing me again. Get out of here. Go back today. Someday tomorrow, you'll regret it. And soon for the rest of your life. Like that was that kind of speech. Yeah, and like the alley, it wasn't black and white, but it gave that like more of that feel with the rainy alley. So I don't know if that was a direct influence, but there was so many influences happening in this. It's wild how much they covered. I guess that was my point. Like it felt like the film was trying to do everything. Yes. They were like, we got one shot just like Eminem. We got to do this. (laughs) And that's, yeah, I think, which is fitting for the title, right? Everything, Mm -hmm. everywhere, all at once. The movie gives you all of that over the course of the movie. And, you know, I guess that's really like I think a testament to the, the like the whole process, right? Writing, directing, editing, like all of that. Costume design in this movie is fantastic. Like, oh my god, there's so much in here that I'd I'd be very surprised if this isn't nominated for a bunch of stuff. Well, because like that's the thing, and some of the costumes they're like they're trying to be super ridiculous with it, but it also feels like something I would see at the Met Gala. Yeah, yeah. Like they're not. Some of them aren't. That far removed from shit, I feel like I've seen Katy Perry or Lady Gaga wear. Yeah. And it's yeah. wild how hard it is to parody that shit nowadays. It was like one of the costumes that I remember like Joy had, I think, at one point. Or or Jobu. I don't remember which character was it at the time. It's probably Jobu. Well, they're um, both. <laughs> remember? Yeah. It's everything. She's everyone. Right. Yeah. But like <laughs> she was like flipping around between universes. or And I don't know. If, I can't remember if she like gets stuck in a couple that she comes out with like an amalgamation of like four different costumes all like sewn together. Yeah. That one was near the end. Yeah. She has yeah. like four of the costumes on together after she got like punched or something. Right. Yes. That's mm. it. Yeah. Like that, that alone is like, Oh shit, that looks awesome. No, they did a great job with that. And then like the ones where she's showing us the bagel and she has like the bagel hair bun thing going on. And Which... That's it's like a hunger games outfit too. Like that yeah. would fit in, yeah. in that universe. And I didn't get it until I guess, you know, we, we finally saw the black hole bagel or whatever, but like when Jamie Lee Curtis's character finally goes evil the first time, she staples that piece of paper on her forehead that's just a black circle. Mm-hmm. And then you make the connection. Oh, that's the everything bagel that they were t- referencing, and that's what they're worshiping and all that stuff. So that that was just a com- fun little callback, too. So I mentioned this. 
um, that originally Jackie Chan was the planned lead when they were writing this. Yeah. So they obviously changed it when they couldn't afford him and rewrote it to make it a Michelle Yeoh, Michelle Yeoh's starring role. Do you think there was a big impact on having the wife act as the head of household for the rest of the film compared to a man-led household? I don't know. Like, I don't I. It's hard to, like, picture what could have been after you just see the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's hard to, hard to tell if, like, if like if Jackie Chan was in there, if he would have been the lead, how... I don't know what they would have done. That's yeah. the, do you think it's a completely different movie almost at that point? I would like, think. Do they still... Like, cause do they do any of the stuff with the daughter as much then? Or do they do, like, a more generic, my dad doesn't understand me kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, because I do feel like... I, I don't know if it's just because... I don't know. Again, it's hard to say because I just saw the movie and stuff, and that's what I'm. That's the version I'm thinking of. But I, I almost feel like using the mother and Michelle Yeoh, it's it's she's more relatable, and you can really feel for her more than maybe mm-hmm. what you could do with Jackie Chan. Like I could see <clears throat> wanting to use Jackie Chan just for like the stunts and action sequences side of it, yeah. which I think you could you could do fine. Like you almost need michelle yo to still be the straight character even with jackie chan in there right like yeah if you want jackie chan to do all the the stunts and the fighting and stuff i think that's well the then again to... i mean rush hour they had jackie chan play the straight man true but i mean he was still like headlong into the action and stuff like yeah. that which i mean i guess you know eventually michelle yo's character gets to that point too where she's doing all the fighting and stuff herself yeah so yeah i guess in that sense it really wouldn't matter because both characters the the husband and wife still get a fair amount of action sequences together. Because he so, gets that yeah, fanny pack fight scene in this version. Oh, God, that was fantastic. Oh, my God. I loved it. Like, I forgot, like, about fanny packs for a bit. <laughs> and he just whips it out and starts just cranking these big IRS security guards. And then he fills it up with those rocks from the yes. fish tank. And yeah. the one dude's like, oh, fuck, crank. <laughs> He's like, just wipes some dude out with him. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was that was the moment I think that really stuck out to me for a while was that one. Oh, it's so powerful and like intense. Like that felt like such a well choreographed fight scene. Like yeah, from just a pure choreography standpoint, and like maybe even like the film direction. Like that might have been my favorite fight scene in the film. It just flowed so naturally, and you knew exactly what was happening. And he was still doing weird shit with his fanny pack. The time. <laughs> yeah, it was. Actually, when I was watching it, it made me think of this um, anime I had seen. And um, it has one of the greatest, I think, fight scenes ever in it. And it's just so well directed. I've been meaning to try and convince you to watch just that fight scene. So <laughs> okay. I, I won't get you to watch the whole show. <laughs> this the, Then that's made me think of it instantly then. I was like, oh, this is this is that thing. This nice. reminds me <laughs> of that because it's just it's so well done. Yeah. It it was really one of the standout scenes, I think, from this, especially from just a technical level than a fantastical level. And I think, you know, with the movie jumping around so much, too, it's hard to remember that really the music, the, the movie takes place in, like, basically two set locations, right? The laundromat their, slash their home and the IRS building. Those yeah. are, like, the only two places you really go. And it's, everything else yeah. is kind of jumping around just a little bit here and there and stuff like that, but... Yeah, so I think that you know that's a way to save money too. If you just have one set for the most part, mm-hmm. um, I think you had mentioned like the Matrixy stuff. Do you think it's a little bit too Matrixy? Do you like that idea or expand I mean, I upon that? So I don't think it's too Matrixy because they didn't. It, it's not the Matrix. It's just it. 
takes some stuff from it, I think, for sure. Yeah. But almost everything does nowadays, in a sense. That's true, yeah. And that's just, when you're talking about any type of multiverse thing, it's kind of think of the Matrix, because that's kind of the one you think about. It's, it did it. Well, I think the more like the the downloading of the personalities and skills is what reminded me of the Matrix, like plugging in to get a new skill or something like that is where I true. Could, but sort like of... that's something they did in like Lawnmower Man. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not a completely you know idea to the Matrix and the whole jumping around thing too. I think has been done elsewhere, like mentally jumping into different universes, right? right. And then you even have stuff like Ben Ten, where he captures alien powers and transforms into the alien. Yeah, so I, I don't think it was too far in that direction because I think they did it well in their own way, especially because they added, okay, you got to do something wacky to get there. Yeah. And the and it was a big variety of powers. Like Jamie Lee Curtis at one point's a pro wrestler. And he's oh, doing right. like pro yeah. wrestling. She does yeah. an actual missile drop kick at <laughs> one point, which if you're not a wrestling fan is just you jump in the air and land on your body with your two like legs extended. It hurts you more than it hurts the other person. <laughs> it makes no sense, but it's a pro wrestling classic. And she tries to finish it off with this flying knee. And it's like yeah. the early climax of the film. I, I don't think they went too far in the matrix stuff because they kept it enough. Though I did really like, um, James Hong who plays Gong Gong's RGB wheelchair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where he just comes cruising in this RGB'd out wheelchair. And then the same with um Women Wang's Alphaverse van that's all like RGB oh, set yeah. up on him. That almost looked like something out of like Ready Player One or something like that, where they're all like jacked or, or, in and Or that's like the parody Matrix movie almost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude, when when uh I think I think what when she was fighting Joy in the hallway at the earlier part of the movie and then Gong Gong just rolls through on the with the mm-hmm. wheelchair and blows her into the wall. That was such an unexpected thing. I was like, "What the <laughs> right. fuck is happening?" I was like, "Holy <laughs> shit! What are you doing?" And that's also because I brought it up earlier. I got to talk about it. So at that point, Joy is now fighting these cops that are arresting them because they're finally getting arrested for causing all this shit to go out the IRS building. Yeah, yeah. And she walks in like a fucking movie star. It's given the shit to this cop and just starts beating them up. Like, she turns the one cop into confetti. Oh, yeah. And Which, then she pulls out... Yeah, go ahead. On, well, I'm just thinking, like, that part was in the trailer where she, like, touches his head and then it, like, just disappears into confetti. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I honestly thought that was something they put in the trailer because, like, the head explosion was, like, too graphic for a trailer. So they just made it, edited it for mm-hmm. the trailer. No, that's what happens in that's the movie. What happens. And then she goes to fight the other cops, and she just pulls out two of the largest dildos I've seen in a while, <laughs> and literally just beats the shit out of the dude with it. And then, like, she comes back, and there's just, like, blood pulling down the one dildo under, like, her hand and stuff. And I thought her mom was about to scold her for holding penises. <laughs> like, that was where my mind was. Oh, yeah. this. Oh. There's, like, so many little things that is like, what the fuck? And I, I know there's more. Like, one thing that happened a lot was, like, a lot of characters reappearing. Like, um, you would see, like, the raccoon guy was also someone oh, yeah. she was fighting. Yeah. And, you know, like, that the account, the guy at the IRS building that really likes being beat up by women. Yes. The, the, yeah. the, the submissive at the IRS. Like, you know, he's fighting her and he shows up a lot. Do you think it was deliberate to keep having the same people come in? Like, even Jamie Lee Curtis is in the other multiverses. She's the... She's Michelle Yeoh's lover in the Hot Dog Finger right. universe. Right. You think uh, that was like a deliberate choice? And why would they? Why do you think they did that? I think it just 
it's less of a distraction, I think, if you use the same characters over and over again. So you're not just like, okay, well, who is this person now and why should mm-hmm. I care? Like, it's it's more interesting seeing, like, the relationship you established early between Jamie Lee Curtis and Michelle Yeoh, where she's the tax collector, kind of, like, leaning into her, and then you catch a universe where they're together. Like, it's still a little bit to adjust to that, but, like, you get it. And you're just, okay, I can see where this one's going. So it's... Yeah, I think I think it's more interesting just to keep keep the same characters flashing in with it. Plus, I think is it you know one it saves on budget probably too. You're hiring less people, so sure. I'm sure that's part of it too. But yeah, I think it, I think it's in my mind less distracting. I think for the audience. No, that's I think a good point because what I had thought I was like make it was keeping with the theme. Like even though she has all these choices she's making. She's still at the end of the day connected to like certain people that yeah, reappear in her too. life almost. Yeah. Like even no matter how far she goes away from these points, she kind of is, is ensnared almost by the same people. Yeah. Like, so someone's drawn to someone. <laughs> I don't know if it's force users attract other force users or what, but well, I guess yeah, I guess there. maybe that's like a common theory for for even though you're making different decisions in other multiverses, you're still kind of like have the same people in your orbit, mm-hmm. regardless. So, um, so do we want to talk. Another, is there anybody yeah. else in the cast you want to talk about? Or uh, I, so I, mean, I guess the big three, three. I think we're good. We talked Biff with, and he plays <laughs> this this bearded older white man in the laundromat. Yes, and when he first shows up, he's complaining about um. The machine eating his 20. And then her her husband, like, goes to help. She demands that her husband goes and helps this man. <laughs> and then you catch back to them, like, doing this dance and shit, like, in the background. And then, you know, he gets counseling. He's like, this isn't $20. I thought you people were good at counting money. And I was like, oh, this is going to take a weird turn, isn't it? <laughs> and then she's like, oh, we'll get back to you. And he's like, okay, I'll see you at the party. But then, like, right before he leaves, he's like, ah, oh, it's the same perfume my dear old wife used to wear. And I'm like, wait, are we weird again? What's going on? But in that small rule, I remember Biff with. <laughs> yeah, he does stand out. And I think they, they called back to it later with one of the the – one of the, uh, like, bouncing around between... The perfume comes back at some point. I don't remember... Oh, she uses that to neutralize him at the end, right? Doesn't she... She sprays him with perfume, and then you flash back to when he said that, and then he's kind of neutralized in that fight. Yeah, and that... Because he, like, remembers his wife or something, and yeah, he's, like, yeah, yeah. calmed. Yeah, there's um, so many callbacks, and everything, mm-hmm. like, that they... Everything they set up earlier in the movie comes back around by the end, and I kind of love that. No, yeah, like, like, I'm glad that there's nothing hanging at the end like that. Like the butt plug awards. Yeah. Those weren't hanging. Those were yes. inserted. <laughs> Fair point. Yes. Like even the googly eyes, I like they smashed the final window. Yeah, cuz that was, you know, that was just something you saw her husband doing and randomly putting on things early in the movie and then they don't bring it back until the very very end. Like that in the rock scene where there's we find out there's a universe where there's no life. <laughs> Which, you know, that makes sense. And apparently there's a shit ton of them. So her daughter, Joy, slash at this point, Jobu Tupaki is there. Because you just don't do anything. You just be a rock. And she's there too. But then they keep talking. I and it's just love subtitled. And it's I just subtitled. It. There's no dialogue. And the only sound is what you would assume would happen in that desert. It's just yeah. random, like, wind sounds. And them trying to still understand each other as a rock and... Eventually, near the climax, she's just chasing her daughter just to try and hug her, and she does it in rock form with googly eyes on. 
And I loved everything about those rock things. And that's another yes. thing. You try to explain that to someone who hasn't seen the movie, and they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? And you're like, it totally makes sense. You just have it to see works. it. It works. It works, goddammit. That, that scene alone, like like you said, there's no music. There's no dialogue. It's all subtitled. And it goes on for like a longer time than you would think it would. And that still had some of the biggest laughs in the theater, was watching that oh, yeah. that scene, that part. Like just seeing seeing the subtitles of them laugh just ha 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 like laughing it with yes. each other was like what the fuck is this? But it's great. One thing I did want to bring up, so they do the fake out ending probably halfway through the film where they roll credit, oh, yes. credits yeah. and it even is the directors the Daniels and Evelyn and uh, Michelle Yeoh because it's in that universe it's Michelle Yeoh I guess. But then you find out oh it's the movie it's the credits to the movie Michelle Yeoh's Evelyn Wong's character is in the universe where Evelyn Wong is a movie star. Yeah. And right before it, it ends credits, though, uh, Michelle Yeoh's character dies, and Joe Butsubaki walks up and says, oh, well, maybe the next one will be the right one. Something like that. Something yeah. powerful, way better than I said. <laughs> and it rolls credits. And I sat back and was like, fuck, this is a good film. I thought it was I thought it was legit ending. I was like, this is a great place to end it. Well, especially because the beginning... Like, it starts with part one. Yeah. I and forgot you, about that until then. Yeah, and then you never see part two anywhere, and it just ends. And then I kind of looked at my watch, like, is it over? And I was like, I guess it could be. And then, yeah, it just continues to roll. But then I... The only, I think, issue for me with the movie is a little bit of the pacing. Like, I think from mm -hmm. then on, it felt like there were three or four other places the movie could end, and it just kept going. Yeah. It, it but, definitely that first. I don't know if it's because of the fake out. Now you're like waiting for an ending, or maybe, what. yeah. But yeah, the the pacing was definitely different in the latter half at that point. But I think part of that too is there's no new mystery at that point. It's getting through all of the established stories at that point too. Yeah, you're getting a lot of, of resolution, and I think every time something wrapped up, I was like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, it could end here, and I'd be fine. And then it just kept going to wrap up something else and then give like, you almost a different ending. Like, like I really thought the movie was going to end pretty depressingly. Yeah, her just it, being it, arrested or something. Yeah. Yeah. It and then it just kind of kept going. Yeah. And then she hits the vape and it kept going. <laughs> yeah. It was a great movie. It's just like, you, like you mentioned beforehand, it's hard to talk about because so much is happening. <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to keep bringing that up. Everything everywhere. All at once. There's so many different plot lines that aren't the main one. And it's great. <laughs> Look, <I don't, laughs> it's just, it, it does so much with the two hours and 10 minutes it has. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know if we, I, we talked a little bit about it, but maybe we'll just dive into that directly. But uh, direction, what did you think of the, the Daniels direction for the movie? I thought they nailed it. I, don't think there was like a bad shot. Like I mentioned, the one fight scene was just brilliant. I I loved the fanny pack fight scene. I think <laughs> a lot of the other fight scenes were really good. The, that one just they hit. They caught something deep. Yeah, and I think even going back to turn down for what the music video, you can just see that's their style evolve. <laughs> they did a great job, and it's hard to believe this is their sophomore film. Yeah, I, I don't think I realized, not that I've seen Swiss Army Man, but I didn't realize that was them. I remember that one being, like, promoted as something that was really fucking weird, too. So, I mean, I think the trailer definitely is have a, style. a guy using 
Daniel Radcliffe, who is farting to fly around. <laughs> well, you don't know, I guess, at that point that Daniel Radcliffe is dead. <laughs> and they spend, Did you see like, Swiss Army Man? I'm just curious. No, but I also okay. know they, they spent five minutes of the film recreating scenes from Jurassic Park. <laughs> I feel like Josh had seen that movie, so I can't remember if he liked it or not. I feel like I was about to say with him, no, but there's a chance. <laughs> I feel like it's not one he would like, but maybe because Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought the direction was great. Like the like, again, it's just so weird. But like the transitions between everything, I think, are so well done. Mm-hmm. Like the effects are great. The action is di- directed very well. You can't you, like I don't feel like I got confused in the fight scenes, which is yeah. always a possibility with action sequences nowadays. Um, like I mentioned, the the costume design was great. If the two of them wrote this movie, I think they wrote it very well. You almost have to, you almost have to see it again just to catch all the intricacies and like, oh. uh, the explanations, I guess, exposition and stuff of how this all works and stuff. Some of that I think I missed just because there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is, it is really, really well done. Well, cause like even at the beginning, like how casually they switch from, I I'm I I think it's um let me double check I think it's I think it's Mandarin English and I think there might even be a third language they just casually keep slipping through oh, like, yeah. talking in in their conversations yeah. yeah I think it might be like Han because not everyone in China speaks Mandarin so I think that might be slipping through like two different versions of Chinese and then also peppering some English in. But then you're like, wait, why are we still subtitling this? And you realize, no, they're actually still speaking Chinese. <laughs> they just happened to say three English words in a row you recognized. Right, yeah. Um, I We keep saying it. It's really difficult to talk about this movie, and I don't really know where else to go. I don't know if there's anything specific that I would want to need or feel like we need to bring up. But I know, again, there's so many little things in here that if I forgot to mention some stuff, I don't know if there's anything else you want to bring up maybe before we I'll, I want to say up. for sure, because... I know the one thing I don't think we talked about at all is I thought the score for this was great. It really, I thought, lifted the movie up. I thought all of the music just hit perfectly. Like, the scene with the bagel, like, making it all inspiring but also desolate almost. Like, I think they did a really great job with the score. Like, I don't remember, I'll be honest, I don't remember a lot of the music, but I I guess that's good because it didn't, it definitely didn't pull me out of it. Yeah. So at the very least, it it blended well what was going on, so it didn't distract me from anything, which I think is already a a point, you know, a thumbs mm-hmm. up in their direction. Um, but I can't say that it was memorable to me that I remember too much about the music going coming out of it. So that might be something if I if I watch it again to try to pay closer attention to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I think the two other notes that I had, that just in case we didn't talk about them, was the everything bagel black hole was brilliant, but we did talk about that and the the yeah. scene with the two rocks was yeah. I think also one of my favorite things ever in that. Yeah. Yeah, that America Cooney, like there's there's hits <laughs> yeah. in there. Like it's it's worth seeing because there's so much to see. And at the very like, least, definitely go see it to join in on the conversation that we're kind of having of just how fucking weird and crazy and awesome this is. Yeah, then you can just say random words to people and probably be describing this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Or better yet, go see it for yourself and then try to tell your friends what happens in it or something or, or try to sell it on them and see how well you do because it's, it's it's difficult to do. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have anything else. Do you have any last call for anything else that we didn't talk about that you want to bring up? Nothing? No, no. Okay. 
the sh- they, they, no one was wearing like um anything from StockX on their feet, so I don't you know. <laughs> what's up with that? I, well, they I never tell it. us where it takes place. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I I loved it. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I guess we'll wrap up with a uh, rating out of ten. What nine. would you like to? Did you say nine? Yeah. I think that's where I'm actually landing too. I I was leaning towards nine point five. I coming out of it, I really thought maybe it would be like really high, nine point five, ten ish or something. But the more I was thinking about, it, I think that the pacing did kind of. I, that's my biggest gripe. I think it's just that the second yeah. half of the movie just feels much longer than the first half. Mm-hmm. And again, not that that's bad. Like there's a bunch of stuff in it that is really, really good, but just from a, from a pacing standpoint, and I don't know if I guess part of it too, is like uh, always in my ratings, I'm thinking like how quickly or would I rewatch this? And I, I enjoyed it, but I don't know if I'm keen to watch it again right away. Like I still might need some time to digest and mm-hmm. step away from it for a bit before I decide to watch it again. Well, yeah, because I'm still at the point where I'm not sure if the point of the film was I should kill myself right now <laughs> or that I should learn to just be content and accept myself. <laughs> not 100% sure, and I'm real worried if I tip it in one of those directions if I see it again. I guess it depends if you side with Evelyn or Joy, right? It's got to be, you got to be one of those people. Yeah. Everyone's either a Joy or an Evelyn. <laughs> there's something for everybody. There's four turtles, there's two women. <laughs> Or I guess you're just the really optimistic uh, husband character. Why can't I think of his name? Wayman Wang. Wayman, yeah. I keep wanting to say Raymond, and I'm like, it's not Raymond. It's Wayman. Yeah, well, and then you say that, and you're like, wait, am I being a racist right, right now? Yeah, right. yeah, I know. <laughs> it's probably yeah. part of the point. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it honestly might be. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if we find out if they did that, on, if that's the reason. <laughs> um, yeah, so again, we, we love this movie. I'm curious if anyone else actually gets a chance to see it and what you guys think. So feel free to let us know if you saw it, what you thought, if you agree, disagree, we'll go from there. Um, I usually, usually try not to like set the stage for what we're talking about next. Cause chances are anything we plan falls apart by the next time we try to record something. But if everything goes to plan, hopefully we'll have the fantastic beast episode out for you next week. Uh, hoping a couple other people get to the movie this weekend. So we can all get together next week and record for that. So maybe, hopefully, keep an ear out for that one and give it a listen. Uh, but that's it for us. Uh, as always, you can find us on Facebook. Search Bry Guy into Super Friends. Go to facebook.com slash Friends. Don't forget to send us questions, comments, topic suggestions, any of that stuff there. You can attempt to email us, BryGuysuperFriends at gmail.com. It's working. I won't check it. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at BGSuperFriends. That I will see. That will we respond to. Uh, feel free to follow me on Twitch at Jedi Bryguy. That's Jedi with an I, Bry with a Y. Uh, if we ever do a live recording, we will do it on Twitch on that channel. Uh, if you just want to follow and maybe watch anytime I decide to stream a game I'm playing, that could be the place to do it also. You got to watch uh, the live recordings of the shows because Brian's terrified the whole time something's going to go wrong. Which is exactly how it happens. Yep. And you can yeah. also see my face the whole time just staring blankly at the screen waiting for my <laughs> turn to talk. The uh the the two fiftieth we did is still up there. I hi- I made sure to highlight the episode, so it's in my highlights on that page. If you want to go back and watch the four hour episode that we did, uh, technical difficulties and all, they are, they are there. It is there to watch. Uh, but yeah, that's it for us. On behalf of Ian and myself, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Beep, beep.